Hi, this is the Cancer Liberation Project podcast. If you've been touched by cancer and have some fear around remaining healthy, you are in the right place. As a 20-year-plus cancer survivor, Haley knows how unsettling it can be to not only hear the words, you have cancer, but also the uncertainty and fear that comes when you have been declared cancer-free. The Cancer Liberation Project was born out of Haley's desire to make cancer less scary for people, to give people hope that they can not only heal from cancer, but live their best, most vibrant life after cancer. Get ready to be inspired with your host, Haley Dubin. Hi, and welcome to the Cancer Liberation Project. Today, I sit down with JJ Flizanes. JJ is an empowerment strategist and the host of several podcasts, including People's Choice Awards nominee, Spirit, Purpose, and Energy. JJ works with conscious spiritual truth seekers who want to remove emotional blocks to success. She helps people identify sabotaging patterns and transmute struggle into joy. Through a series of clarifying exercises, she is able to curate a personalized roadmap to emotional healing. JJ is passionate about empowering people with the knowledge and awareness of how they can live the life of their dreams. I look forward to sharing my conversation with JJ, but before I do, just a couple things to mention. First, a reminder to head over to my website at revivewellness.com to get your free seven top tips to keep cancer away and feel confident in your body again. That's R-E-V-I-V-E wellness.com. And second, I want to take a moment to thank the Carl Felt Center, who makes the show possible. Hi, JJ. Welcome to the Cancer Liberation Project. Oh, I'm just so looking forward to our conversation. Thanks, Haley. Excited to be here. You know, first, I would just love to hear a little bit about you and how you started doing the work you're doing now. (laughs) Okay. Let's see how I can condense that in, you said the show might be 45 minutes. Okay. So (laughs) I'll do bullet points. Started out as a actress, emotional, right brain, human uh, expression. Very important to me to have emotional expression Notice my left brain being somewhat bored and needing something to figure out and to problem solve. Uh, got into personal training, learned science, got very activated in my left brain and realized I was smart and uh, and that I actually did could do science very well. It just needed to be mechanical. I needed to be able to see it versus sort of theorize about things I couldn't put shape or form to or have any kind of movement with. So once I understood that, I understood how I learned I could learn more. And so that led me down a sort of a leaning in the left brain path. But during the personal training career and loving the science application, realizing that people would come to lose weight or, you know, my point of view was always different. My point of view was always, I mean, I was in my early 20s and I was director of education for a major gym chain on the East Coast teaching other trainers because most trainers don't come to the don't, they don't come with a lot of science. They take a certification and good luck if it has a ton of science in it. And most of the time it's really just to protect you legally. And then maybe there's some like protocol on how to do things, but it's not a deep dive into a whole bunch of science. It's a little bit about a lot of things to kind of protect you from being sued. But generally it's not, a, you know, it's not a, it's not a degree, 
and it's a certification. So people take the certification and they come out and then they can't answer any questions. They don't understand science and they put people through the same thing over and over again. So whether people come because of weight loss or like I was looking at my body thinking I, I would look ahead. I mean, I was in my early twenties and I'm looking at people in their sixties, seventies and eighties. And I'm like, okay, I don't want to be like that. Some of them were good representatives and some were bad. And I just knew that what you do now affects what happens down the line. And so I would be looking at joints and I'd be excited about joint preservation because they're your brake pads. You only get one set. You can't go to the, to the shop and get a new set of brake pads for your joints. So if you screw them up now, you can't work out later because you may have pain. Now, maybe not, but why would, if I knew that, why would I make dumb choices now and put myself at risk. So again, I've always had this like futuristic sort of vision of where I'm going or what's possible and, and you know, and always except probably money, um, but money as energy. I was like, oh, but I, it's always money. I can always make more money. Like that wasn't an issue. It's not about like you, you there's not a finite amount of it. So it, that has different rules. Your body, you know, it, it's, it can, it can wear down and we know this. And so let's take care of it. So that was my point of view as a trainer. But I couldn't help but bring in, because I'm a seeker and, a, and a, a true seeker, and I'm an educator, and I love to be educated, and I love learning. So when someone would come with a problem, and I didn't know the answer, I'd go find out. I had no problem saying I don't know. I did make up stuff in the beginning, and I sweat it out, and then I realized like sometimes I'd be kind of right, and sometimes I was kind of wrong. And I was like, okay, I have to stop doing that. <laughs> uh, so I was like, okay, I got over that. I'm like, okay, let me go learn something. So it was the emotional piece. It's why people you know, why one couple, a man would exercise, but he wanted his wife to do it too. And anyway, just the emotional thing has always been obviously going back to my right brain, sort of creative singer, dancer, actress, expression, feeling fully expressed part of me. It's the human experience. So I pulled that into training and just sort of started to ask why people have back pain. Why do they have shoulder pain when their structure is fine? They have muscular balance. Their nutrition is fine. Like we looked at all the things, the hormones, and science could only show me so many layers until there was the unexplainable. And then the unexplainable became the emotional, spiritual, mental deep dive. And again, I was already interested in that, but now I'm applying it to, you know, to personal training. And through that process, you know, just kept learning and learning and learning and, and uh, ended up retiring from personal training about four years ago because I and started my podcast at this point eight years ago. Uh, which was a vehicle to help try to save my marriage, as well as because I had so much content and not the right audience. People who come for weight loss don't really care about looking under the hood. They're not they're not so keen on dealing with their emotions. And to me, that's the entire life experience. Everything is about how you feel and everything's about your emotions. Every single choice you make has to do with reaching for a better feeling thought or reaching for reaching for a better feeling, whether it be relief whether it be freedom, whether it be love, whether it be security or safety, every thought, every choice is directed to feeling better. So why not explore that a little bit deeper and see what gets in the way of that? So that's kind of how it started. I was, I did have coaching clients from my podcast. I was juggling both. I was personal training a lot of people that I'd had for years and years, even when I went online during the pandemic and said, okay, we're gonna, you know, but I kind of like release them around the pandemic time. And I was like, okay, I'm going to pull back. I stopped looking for new clients, but I was like, I didn't want to abandon until I could have a plan for them. I didn't want to abandon some of the people that I was working with. So I was building a business on the other side of the emotional thing and, and 
using my podcast to do it and putting it out there because none of my clients did not care. They did not want to listen, but they were great subjects for solo shows. They were great. You know, if I had, if I was with them and I really wanted to tell them or share something, but I knew they wouldn't hear it. I do a podcast episode about it. And then I get people who are listening all over the world. who be like, that's amazing. Oh my God. <laughs> right. And I'm like, okay, this person was not, was there to like be my muse, right. To take the information back out to the world. And then, and then just over time, it kind of has snowballed and I've kind of claimed the empowerment strategist title. I've met Nisha. She, with her metabolic approach to cancer has the terrain. Number 10 is emotions, which is hilarious because I have to be honest, I just finished reading that chapter. <laughs> I've known her for years, but I'm like, she doesn't actually really talk about emotions. <laughs> and I, and if I said that to her, she laughed because she, she did it. She talks about like emo, like cravings, food cravings and emotions, but there's no protocol for emotions, which is what led me to say to her, what are you teaching your doctors about emotions? Because this is, this is the real deal. And she said, oh yeah, totally. But most people don't want to start there because it's hard. That is so true. Right. But I want the people who either are ready to do the hard or the people who consciously know, well, I've tried everything else and it hasn't worked. People who have repeat cancers, who, who've done all of it, they've done They've done standard of care. They've done alternative. They've done metabolic approach and they're still in the same spot or a reoccurrence. And it's like, okay, when are you ready to look at what drives what you attract into your life and how you're energetically showing up and what you need to release in order for the body to heal itself? So that's where we are now. Mm, and it's so powerful. So powerful. You know, I started this podcast because I wanted to show people that they can reclaim their power, you know, when it comes to their health. And that seems exactly what you are doing. Uh, that's why I'm so excited for our conversation. And I was curious, just how do you work with your clients to help them release these emotions? So I have, I had an intuitive hit about a podcast to, to do years ago. It was called the Roadmap to Emotional Healing. And, and it sat on my desk for two years. And every time I'd look at it, my intuition said, it's not yet, not yet, not now. It's not, you're not ready. And I'm like, is it the book title? Nope. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just letting it sit there. And then Nasha comes along. I start working with cancer patients that doctors are sending me. And because they don't listen to my podcast, because they don't know me, because they're not in my energy, because we don't necessarily resonate. I was like, Ooh, cause I started certifying trainers to do the work I'm doing because I can't help everybody. And this is an individual journey. And once I started doing that, I thought, and I got one in particular client and she, we were not a fit at all. She was not ready to hear what she needed to hear. She was just checking off all the boxes of all the things that she needed to do. Oh, doctor said to do this. My doctor and Asia said, see JJ. Okay, check, I'll see JJ, right? But it wasn't, she didn't come to it with a deep resonance about me or the work. And she definitely had a ton of blocks. And I thought, okay, my trainers are, they're, they're, some of them are new to training. I mean, they're not new to helping other people and coaching, but they're new to this field and this, the way to do this. And I thought they will not be able to handle this. I can handle having someone come to me and we decide that we're not a fit and refunding the second payment. Cause it's too, I have a two session starter pack and that's kind of to get to know you to see if this is a fit and where do you go next? obviously. Um, and I don't really do a lot of one-on-one -on -one anymore. I've got groups and I've got my other strategists. But in that session, I thought, okay, I need a pre-qualifier. I need something. I can't go, someone who's cancering actively doesn't want to go listen to, you know, 30 episodes or spend six months listening to my free podcast 
to get ready. They want help right now. So I thought I need a way to pre-qualify people and to give them value that doesn't require any of us to show up. So I created a course called The Roadmap to Emotional Healing. And it's literally what we, me and the other strategists would do with somebody, which is taking them through a series of diagnostic exercises to uncover what the core wounds are that we need to heal. Because what happens in the emotional realm is that we've got all kinds of energy healing. We've got EMDR and, and EFT and theta and and Reiki and meditation. And right, we have all these different things and people do that. But how do you know what you're doing it for? And when do you know if it's working? And what happens when you're, you've done it for a while and you're like, okay, now what? Is this enough? There's no structure to assess that. And just as specifically as Nasha does her 10 terrain, like I realized this after working with all of her doctors, I'm like, oh, I do that too. I kind of have like a terrain 10 of emotional, like data collection and analysis and, you know, uncovering what the picture looks like. Everything from your love language, your birth order, your core wounds, your, your, your astrology, your, you know, your childhood traumas. The way that you look at the world is very unique and there are a lot of factors that create your interpretation. And when you understand that, oh, and soul level, I mean, there's so many factors. I have a screen on one of the uh, on one of the courses that I created. Actually, I have a talk called Three Reasons Why Three Reasons Why Talk Therapy is Ineffective. And on that webinar, which anyone can access on my website, it has a screen of all the different factors that influence the way that you interpret information and the world, which then affects how you respond to it. That's where your emotions come from. They don't just float in the air like, like smoke, right? Your emotions are about interpretation because somebody can look at something and not react to it. And someone can look at the same thing and go, oh my God, that's horrible, right? And why? Why are two people looking at the same thing and reacting completely different? Because of their interpretation of what it means. So I, we do this sort of diagnostic beginning so that there's structure. We have a path. We can create the roadmap from understanding where we're starting. We can look at behavioral changes, ideas, expanding your, your perception, having compassion for yourself and others, understanding the differences between men and women, understanding you know what your belief is about death or life or reincarnation. Like these are all important things to understand that create your interpretation. So how we start out is literally doing the core wound work because I have two exercises. The other one is, and I just shared this yesterday on uh, Dr. William Davis's podcast. So it should be right here, but anyway, it's, it's a list of, it's called the fearness, the feelings and needs list. This is based on the work of Dr. Marshall Rosenberg. And, uh, and I, he wrote nonviolent communication very, very powerful movement, terrible title. Took me a long time to read that book because I just did not connect with the title, but it's life-changing. And I extract the best things from all the work that I've ever done. I extract the most potent, simple, user-friendly, life-changing, <laughs> behavioral-changing exercises, and I've put them together. This is what I've done. So this one is for someone who isn't ready to do core wound work or can do it right now. And again, I have a link for this too, if anybody wants a free copy of this. Um, it's a three-step strategy. So can I share it? Absolutely. When you get triggered, when you have a negative emotion, the paradigm in the world is to blame somebody else for it. <laughs> We're very used to blaming, whether it be the water, the toxins in the water, the universe, the uh, the political thing going on, whatever, other people. We want to we give our power away. So talking about taking your power back 
if you take the, if you give your power away and you think it's someone else's fault, I'm not saying someone else didn't influence or mirror what you have to work on, but your triggers, your wounds are in you. And when, like, if I was to say to you, Haley, Haley, you don't seem like a very nice person. You seem pretty mean. Okay. You smiled. Why? Because it doesn't land (laughs) because you know, it's not true. Right. Right. But if someone was to say something that you have, that you are afraid it might be true or a belief you have about yourself that you you have shame about or that you, right, then it would quote unquote hurt your feelings. Why? Because you agree with it or you're afraid it's true. But that trigger lives in you. If I want to reflect back at you that I think you're a mean person, you and your head are thinking, is she nuts? Does she know me? Does she see me? Like no one has ever said that about me. That's not true. You would not even flinch a feeling hurt feelings because you know it's not true. So if we take our power back to own our triggers and un- and do a little deeper dive on what it is and where is it coming from, what does it mean to me? The only reason you ever feel a negative emotion is because a need or the perception of a need is not being met. Let me say that again. The only time you have a negative emotion is when there's a need not being met or the perception of a need not being met. So in real time, when you get triggered, because even when you work on your core wounds, you're still going to get triggered from time to time because you have a need. Or again, you, you your brain has quickly assessed that this situation, you've perceived that your need won't get met, right? Which may not be true, but it's going to keep happening. So this exercise, I call it the feelings and needs list, is a three-step process. You would not do this if you're in a good mood. You do not do this if you're happy. There's no reason to just ride out the, the positive feeling. But when you're in a negative feeling, you go, okay, step one, what's my, what, what am I feeling? And you look at the feelings lists and there's a hundred different feeling words on this list. Most people don't have a vocabulary of more than five. And the reason why there are a hundred is because there's a vibrational intensity difference between irritated and rage, but they both fall under angry or mad under that category. So we have to get real clear about what it is you're feeling, the level of intensity or frequency that you're emitting so that we know how to handle it or what to do about it. So what am I feeling? Let's identify the feeling. Next, step two. Okay, what is the need that's not being met that's creating this feeling? What is it that I need? Now, this is the hardest step because most people want to say it's that person's fault. It's because my boss is a jerk. It's because my husband doesn't listen to me. It's because my kids don't obey what I'm talking about. It's because the world, blah, blah, blah. That is where we go. And that is not the truth. We have to dig about three levels deeper to see what is my real need? What is my real need under this? Do you want me to give you an example? So like you need to be heard or validated. Is it something like that? That could be, that could be part of it. Sure. It's, in each situation, so I'll give you a, a quick scenario about a, a client in front of mine who we had done this work, but then she really like at one of my live events, we really, she really got it. And she had this anxiety about work. She's a Capricorn with a bunch of Taurus in her. She's got a lot of earth and, um, and she's super smart. But in her job, she was the last person to get a project before giving it either back to the client or finishing it. And so there were a lot of people in the chain that could affect screw-ups, how it looked. So she was always sort of a little anxious that somebody was going to blame her if somebody else screwed up. And I was like, okay, so she's like, is my need for control? No, control is not on this list. You do not have control. It's an illusion. (laughs) So control is not a need. All right. So I said, dig a little deeper because you can't control them. 
you can't control anybody else. So what do you think that need is? I said, what happens? So I had to talk her through it. So what happens if someone else screws up? Well, then my bosses or the client's unhappy. Okay, what happens if the client or the bosses are unhappy? Are you afraid you'll lose your job? Yes. What happens if you lose your job? I won't get paid. What happens if you don't get paid? I can't pay my bills. Okay, so is your need for safety or security? Oh, that changed her whole relationship to money. And in that minute, she's paid off all her debt and she started saving. Because I said, if you had $50,000 in your bank account right now, would you care if you got fired? Hmm. And she was like, no. So her need was for safety and security. And so that's step two is to uncover what your real need is underneath what's going on. Step three is what are the strategies I can take, strategies, more than one, have to have more than one. What strategies can I take to get that need met that do not require anyone else to be different? That's the key, right? So you can't go to one person and say, I need you to change so I can be happy. Not gonna happen. We have to have multiple ways to get the need met. And once you do this process and you you really understand it, you feel powerful immediately because you realize you don't have to try to coerce or beg or convince or yell or shame or manipulate anybody else to do anything because you can get your need met. And even when it's as simple as I'm feeling a lack of respect about how my clients treat me, well, you are the cell tower emanating the frequency at which and the example of how people can treat you because if you don't love and respect yourself, you can't expect anybody else to. So if you need more respect from others, how are you disrespecting yourself? It's time for us to go, how can I up the level, if you will, of the respect I give myself? What new boundaries do I need? What do I need to say no to? So it really always comes back to what can I do for me? But this process alone, again, someone can spend a couple of years with this. You get this and you're already halfway there because this is in the moment, real time, getting the need met. Because what happens with people when they don't examine their negative feelings and their triggers is you, whether you feel them or not, like I had a friend once and she created a product and it was all about the feelings, which was cool. But I was like, okay, acknowledging your feelings can be great and it might not be enough. Because if it's a negative emotion, we still have to work on what the need was. Because if you don't get the need met, you're going to cycle through this over and over again in different scenarios, never understanding what your real need is. If we can just get to the need and get it met, it doesn't happen anymore. Right. And then you're taking responsibility for that need. You're not putting that on someone else. Right. And you can ask other people to participate. It's not that nobody else can help you. If it's intimacy, you can say to your partner, hey, I have a a need for intimacy. Would you be willing to help me with that? (laughs) Like, are you willing to do a little more? Are you willing to explore and have a little bit more fun? Right. And if not, then self-pleasure and do what you need to do. There's Tantra classes. There's self-pleasure. There's all kinds of things people can do for that. But people think, oh, no, I have to have this person has to change for me or I have to get it from this person. Like your children. Oh, you know, childcare. Well, I don't know what like yesterday I was in a group. uh, I was volunteering at a at a place here in Ojai with new moms. And boy, I was very challenged. It was good. It's good for me to keep my mouth shut because nobody knows who I am. Nobody knows what I do. And I'm just observing. But how many problems I could have solved in that moment? And like, like, we don't know what to do. And I'm like, hire somebody else. (laughs) Or the the one woman's like, I don't know what to do. I had so many solutions for that. And I just felt like they're just, and that's fine. They can figure it on their own because I'm not there to help, help anybody except to be there as a presence and to volunteer. But ultimately, like we carry these stresses We carry these emotions and these stories way longer than we need to. If we just understood what the need was, 
we can get it met and then move on. Yes. And how dangerous is it to repress our emotions? Because I know some people don't even realize they're doing that, right? When you do you often get or have you ever gotten embarrassed? Have you ever had have you ever been embarrassed? Yes. What happens to you physically when you get embarrassed? I get red, blush. Okay. Sometimes my heart will beat fast. Yeah. What happens if you get nervous? Nervous heart beats fast. Yeah. Okay. How about if you're if you have fear, like if you go Halloween or you know all the scary movies or into a haunted house or someone scares you, what happens to you physically? Right. I jump or my heart sinks or something like that. Yeah. Sometimes stomach, people get like butterflies in their stomach or cramping. I know I punch people. Um, <laughs> it's funny. My my ex-husband once scared me and I literally just, it's a re, it was a reaction. I punched him and I said, I did not have control over that. I said, so please never do that again. Cause I can't be responsible for my body wanting to protect myself. <laughs> like it, it's literally what happened so fast. There was no consciousness about it. I don't go to haunted houses because it would be very dangerous for other people because I don't like being scared. <laughs> so my body just throws, like defends. It's that whole, like, you know, my, my brain wants to defend me. So these are physical manifestations of emotion. And I don't think there's anyone out there who doesn't relate and know Maybe some people sweat a lot. Like I know when some people get nervous, they sweat, right? Or what do you think happens when you have a negative emotion? Self-hatred, self-loathing, anxiety. What anxiety is, is a body sensation. It's not a, it's not a condition. Anxiety is a body sensation of repressing emotion. It means your body's trying, there's something, energy you need to let out. And if you don't let it out and you're holding it in, what do you think is going to happen down inside of the body? The longer we hold things in, that energy doesn't get released. And it stagnates all different things in our body, and depending on what chakra it's in, what organ it's in, what exactly happened and what it means for you in terms of your femininity, your, your power center, your heart or your grief, how you deal with grief, or if you're worried or fear, or if you're scarcity in any way, shape or form, the longer we hold on to emotions, I say that if people aren't crying or screaming every quarter about something, then you are emotionally constipated. Mm, that's good. It's not that I want you to cry every day because sometimes that's a default mode that still that stops you from dealing with whatever it is or stops you from, it's not a judgment. It's just, again, you would look at that in the core wounds of how you react. And if everything that happens, you just cry. Okay, well, maybe you know how to release the energy, but you keep cycling through the same problem and we have to create new neural pathways so this trigger isn't so physical. It isn't so physiological in your brain that your body just goes into this shock. And there are tools for that, EMDR, um, tapping, EFT, meditation, but really tapping EMDR and EMDR would be the two best, I think, for helping to desensitize a, a, an emotional physiological response that's super fast that you have no conscious control over. It creates a little bit of space that when you could recognize it and reinterpret it and the body doesn't react in the same traumatic response way. The tumor is only a symptom of cancer, not the cause. Hello, I'm Dr. Michael Carlfeld. I'm the owner of the Carlfeld Center in Meridian, Idaho. We specialize in cutting edge integrative oncology care, addressing the cause and not just the symptom of cancer. There are 11 factors you need to address when diagnosed with cancer. To learn more of what they are, get my free ebook when you visit thecarfulcenter.com. Along with the ebook, I will email you a free webinar series 
where world-renowned specialists will tell you what you need to do to address these 11 factors. You'll hear from experts like Jane McLellan, Dr. Paul Anderson, Dr. Neil McKinney, Dr. William Lee, Dr. Nasha Winters, and Dr. Isaac Elias. Don't miss out on this life-saving information. I also offer a free 15-minute cancer consult where we can go over where you are at in your cancer journey and how the cutting-edge therapies we offer can benefit you. Give the Carful Center call at 208-338-8902 or visit our website at thecarfulcenter.com. Can you just explain what EMDR is for people that don't know and tapping? Yeah. So in your body, you have meridians in Chinese medicine, meridians and all meridians are attached to an organ and all organs are a center for emotion. So your lungs are where you hold grief. Your liver is where you hold anger. Your spleen is where you hold worry. Your kidneys are where you hold fear. Okay. And the list goes on. And in trauma work and PTSD work, post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, there was a therapy called EMDR that was created and it stands for eye movement desensitizing reestablishment. And, and there's another word people use for the R, but anyway, I learned it as eye movement desensitizing reestablishment. And it doesn't have to be eye movement. I like the one it was presented to me through using your eyes. And what happens is you're creating, it can be done with pulsing things in your hands. It can be done with headphones and a tone that goes, um, you know, bilateral, it goes from one side to the other. And what it does is it stimulates a new, it creates new neural pathways in your brain. So it's supposed to help again, decrease and create a little space between the thought of whatever triggers your body into this physiological reaction of trauma so that your body can reframe. So for instance, somebody who comes back from war and heard a lot of gunshots and equates that to death and their body, literally their nervous system is fried. And then they hear a car backfire and they go back into being like, they go right there again. Their body goes into that shock. That's what it was created to work with. And it's very effective. EMDR does need to be done with a therapist, but there is another way to do it, which is called EFT, emotional freedom technique, tapping. And you can do that yourself and you can learn how to do it and you can do it with somebody. I tap differently than the average person. For anyone that's watched the Heal movie, no bueno. No. <laughs> uh, don't do it like that. Nope, nope, nope. And I'll tell you why. Because first of all, the, the practitioner was the one tapping on her. You should be the one tapping on yourself too. When she actually hit a point of emotional reaction, she didn't stay there. So the point is we need to bring up that emotion tap on it when it's at its height so the brain can reorganize and create new neural pathways. So the next time you think of it, it, you don't respond the same way. So in that movie, when she got to a place that was actually emotional, they she moved off of it into another thought. I was like, no, 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 stay there. That's where you need to go. You need to actually feel it to heal it. You need to move into the pain and then allow the body to reestablish a different neural connection with the words that you're using, with the meridians that you're tapping on while you're tapping. So when I do when I do tapping with people and it only takes like one or two sessions and then you can do it on your own, I'll teach you how to do it. But I do the, I have to do the core wound work first because I tap on the deepest thing that we can get to because I want it to be the most transformational. So that way it just takes away all these different layers. Some people tap on like, oh, I'm upset right now because my cat's yelling at me. Or like, oh, I, you know, or, and I'm like, okay, can we go deeper than that? If we tap on a really deep wound and we can negate, we can like 
get that out of the way, oh my gosh, then, you know, all the other layers of triggers that happen because of that also disappear. If they don't disappear completely, they decrease in intensity. And now you're like, oh, I used to react like that. And now I'm a little, mm, I don't feel great, but whoa, what a difference. And now I can even take it further and do this again and maybe get rid of it altogether. So mm, that's great. I, I had a friend whose husband had cancer and it was really bad at the end and she was traumatized by it. And she did the EMDR and one session, it was amazing. She just was like a new person after that. Yep. So it is incredible. Wow. So I wanted to ask, like, I know you mentioned that cancer has different emotional roots. Mm -hmm. And so I was wondering if you could explain that a little bit. Sure. We're looking at, at different power centers. I'll just go over a couple. Usually, and I have the book on my iPad, I could look up something specific if you wanted me to. But when we're looking at where the cancer is exists is where, where the emotional block is. So in Chinese medicine, a tumor doesn't exist. It's stagnant energy. It is not something outside of you. It is your body creating this mass or this stagnant energy. They do not acknowledge anything outside of you. This is all within you and part of you. So if we look at cancer in that way, which most people don't, most people think it's something foreign that has somehow gotten into my body and is now wrecking my body. And that's not true. And I'll tell you, because I have a client who's had now breast cancer. She's had it three times. When she got to me, she had already been through her third and she may be having a fourth reoccurrence, but this time, even just in talking about it and looking, she knows it's all emotional work because she's done standard of care. She's done the metabolic approach. She's done alternative medicine and she's still staying with that. But she is super clear that this is an emotional route for her. And she was here on a VIP day and we we're in my pool and, or maybe it was the beginning of the mastermind. And she said, well, I'm just going to get it cut out. And I said, and I looked at her, I didn't say anything. And she goes, what? I see your face. I said, okay, if this, if this is the fourth time, what, what's the lesson you haven't learned yet? What, right? Like, let's look at how, how are you different? This is a wake up call and you ain't waking up yet. <laughs> what do we have to change? So I said, can you consider for a second that this is part of your body and that this isn't, because she goes to acupuncture, that this is not something for an object, that this is you and your body. How do you think you would feel about putting that kind of energy into this lump? Well, after that conversation and about two weeks later, it shrunk and it softened. Amazing but it responds to her stress. So that when she gets up into stress and she disconnects from her body, it starts to feel hard again. When she's in her body, it softens and it shrinks. It's literally like a barometer of telling you, hey, you're outside of yourself versus you need to come back inside of yourself. So breast cancer is usually connected to a couple different things, either mothering issues, whether it be your mother or your issues of being a mother or of overgiving so much that you have run dry. And it doesn't have to be th about being a mother. It could be giving to everybody else. It could be depletion that you are constantly giving, 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 thinking you're going to get it in return. You don't give it to yourself. And now you're running on empty. That's normally what breast cancer. And again, it's in the heart chakra. So we're looking at, again, we're looking for love. And whether we didn't get it from our mother or we didn't get to be a mother and we really wanted to, or we're trying to get love by overgiving to people without self-love, this is where breast cancer can 
come up, right? All of the the lower jowl, the ovarian, the uterine, the, the cervical, everything in that area, or for men too. So the lower jowl, your your second your chakra, your sacral chakra is all about your power center. It's about your creativity, about your sexuality. So whether it be if you were sexually abused or if you have identity issues with your sexuality or if you have given your power away or if, if you've been, it's anger. It stems from anger and a repression of anger and holding on to that anger because back pain also like chronic back pain is not physical. It's anger. It's rage. Actually, it's repressed rage because the body says, I don't think I can handle feeling that. So I'm going to take that energy and I'm going to put it into your back because you you're you're like, I feel okay dealing with back pain. But I don't want to feel the feelings of rage like because it, it, it's unconscious. Your body's literally protecting you from allowing those feelings of, of, of unconscious rage to surface because you'll be out of control. So you have back pain instead because it's, it's being held there. So anything in that lower jowl sacral chakra is about creativity, sexuality, your power, feeling powerful, using your power, using your creativity, not being stifled, being a free being and anything that's been done to you or things that have happened to you or ways you feel you've been controlled or not allowed and the anger about that. So interesting because I had ovarian cancer when I was 29 and I am nodding when I hear you say some of these things. Yeah, I didn't feel like I had power and I was doing everything for everyone else, you know, not living my true authentic life, you know, getting a certain job because that's what I was expected to do, major in something in college because that's what I was expected to do. So it's just so fascinating. And like you said, so many people don't want to go there. I mean, I had clients that, you know, I'm trying to get them to look at their emotions and they just don't want to go there. That was one of the reasons why in this last year, I've been like, I don't know that I want to work with cancer patients because, and I don't, again, I will if they're ready for this conversation, which is why I've had to take the leap into just having this conversation. Because if I come from the holistic alternative medicine, you know, foundation of physicality and food and nutrition, everybody wants that conversation, but not many people want to go deeper than that. And I don't want to stop there. And I will do all the things with the people but you have to be ready for the deep dive. And if you're not, I'm not the right person for you. And don't waste my time. And I don't want to waste yours. It, it has to resonate so deeply that you really, that you're ready. You have the courage to do it. You know, I was thinking of another example of these cancers. Remember when Christopher Reeves died? He with, okay. And his wife got lung cancer. Yes. She never smoked, but lung is grief. How much grief did she have that she didn't process with throughout taking care of him? Like her, her lung cancer came from grief, guys. Mm. Like if that isn't the clearest example, right? We want to blame lung cancer on smoking. Yeah. And people smoke because they repress emotion. So what are they repressing? Probably grief. Because there are plenty of people that smoke that don't die of lung cancer. So they drive throat cancer. Okay. What's that about? Maybe not speaking up, <laughs> right? Right. Not having a voice or feeling like you don't have a voice, but you're repressing it by eating or smoking. But we want to just make the connection that it's smoking equals lung cancer. No, it doesn't. But grief can equal lung cancer without any smoke or any indication of some other reason physically why that that happened in that area of the body. So when we take a broader perspective, and I feel that, you know, I was so Dr. William Davis interviewed me yesterday in real time of this interview. And he's so funny because he, it's our second time, my second time on his show and his like six million time on mine. But he, uh, he said, JJ, he goes, and because he's a man, love him. And he's like, 
I imagine that, that this is probably hard work. <laughs> I was like, this is probably uncomfortable work for a lot of people. I said, oh yeah, it's uncomfortable, but it, it's for the people that are ready. That's why I think more people had, I had Kelly Turner on the show and it aired like a month ago. And, you know, we had the discussion of, cause she watched the video with Nisha and I, and, and she said to me, find me the person who has radical remission without doing the emotional work. Like it's not possible. I have yet to find it in all the research that I've done. And it's thank God she's doing the research. Cause I don't have any, I would not have the patience nor time to do that. Cause I want to go fix the freaking problem. <laughs> like I'm like, you go to the research. <laughs> I'm going to fix the problem. Cause I already know all this meaning not, I don't know. I'm smart. That's not what I'm, it's not a judgment. It's a realization on a very deep intuitive level that I've always known that your that energy creates matter and that your emotion is your energy. And sort of this, if you had to pick one, I, I got uh, a little frustrated at one point with somebody on the cancering journey who, again, just wants to put the head down and do all the physical stuff. And I had to, like, it stimulated a meme in me. And the meme said, if you only knew the power of your emotions, you'd work on nothing else. Hmm. Because that container, your body can heal itself even when you don't even have the right substrates in your body. Your body can heal itself. The magic of the body to heal itself is what radical remission is all about. Yes, whoever has not read that book, please go read it. Yeah. Radical yes. remission, Kelly Turner. You have the ability. And whether you want to or not is your journey on this in this lifetime. But you don't have to. There's no shame in not saying, hey, it's too hard. My friend Allison Melody lost both of her parents to cancer. And her dad was like, she kept trying to feed him green drinks. And she was like on the on the path. And he smoked, I think. And he, anyway, whatever. And she, he just said, I don't want to do it. I mean, he had lost his wife. So he was kind of ready to sort of be done. You know, that was sad for her, but she had to acknowledge that he didn't want to do the work. Not everybody wants to do the work. But what I feel would be empowering about it is that it's an option you probably haven't explored. So if you actually really don't want to leave this life and you actually want to stay around a little bit longer and nothing you have done has worked and you haven't done this, if it doesn't resonate, don't do it. But if it does, it's literally... Nisha has said, and she wouldn't write this in the book and she wouldn't tell her patients this necessarily right out the gate, but it's all about emotions. I mean, it's all about emotions, but it's, you have to be willing to get uncomfortable, but the freedom, the joy, the love, the security, the safety, the connection you feel on the other side of this is the goal. It's like going, walking on a mountain or going to the gym. Is it uncomfortable? Yeah. Is it feel good? Not necessarily, but you know what the results are, which is why you do it. Right. And it builds confidence. You know, I, I've heard you say that you ask your clients certain questions. It just made me think of that because, you know, I thought those were so powerful. Like, do you want to get healthy? I mean, pretty, you know, you ask them these frank questions. And can you like go into that a little bit? I know you, there was a couple questions. I, there's probably more than that, but what do you ask them to, to get them going with all this? Well, other than my work with Nation and the doctors and occasionally getting, you know, referrals from them about people who, and again, they wait till they're ready. They, you know, they go through the things and they aren't really, their numbers aren't improving or, you know, they've tried everything and they're sort of at their wits end or the doctors realize that this is really an emotional issue, which it always is. But sometimes physical, physical things can, uh, quote Dr. Miriam Rahav, she said, because she deals with uh, Dr. Klinghart's five levels of healing. And four of the five levels are emotional, mental, and spiritual. They're not physical. The foundation is physical. So sometimes when you can unblock part of the physicality, you like open up another channel of receiving and another channel of processing. So the phys I'm not, you know, obviously I come from the physical world of personal training and there is definitely power in that, but it isn't what, it's not the end point. And it sometimes 
it sometimes isn't even necessary. I hate to say that, but there are times where if you can really get this emotional piece going, this energetic piece, you get your body into Bruce Lipton. And I had two great conversations so far, but his book, Biology of Belief, it's right there. It's a biology of belief. Your body will respond to what you believe and what you believe creates what you feel. It's very simple, <laughs> but most people can't comprehend the simplicity of that because they don't know what that means. And because they don't want, they think that. They think that going down the rabbit hole of the emotions is going to bring them pain. It's why I created the, the, the talk, the three reasons why talk therapy is ineffective. Because one of the things, if you've gone to therapy and you've had an experience where you walk in the door, and again, I'm not saying all therapy is the same and that there aren't therapists doing really great work and using all kinds of tools. There are. But my clients come to me after five years, seven years of therapy and in two sessions go, whoa, I am like different now. And like, this is the path I want to be on. And, and it happens so often. And I've gone to therapy. I understand. It's been frustrating for me too. I understand for a lot of people what they do, which is why I had to create this course or this talk about why it's ineffective because you could walk into a session, let's say it's a couple session or an individual session. And depending how like resistant people are, you know, you may take 45 minutes to like get somewhere to like uncover the thing, right? And then five, 10 minutes later, your session's over and you leave feeling like crap. And you carry that for days. And think, why do I want to go back there? It feels bad. Well, that's not how coaching works. Coaching would never do that. We come in with a problem. You may have an emotional release. And I promise you feel even better, higher, inspired, and empowered at the end. That's the goal every time. We don't sit in pain. Do you have to go through the pain? A little, you have to acknowledge the pain. You have to release some of the tension, some of the energy that you have surrounding that. But you don't sit in it. And you don't spend years and years talking about it either. <laughs> That's the other thing. Like this core wound exercise is an hour long for about, for most people. It can reduce, you know, take five years of therapy into one hour. Like you can just get the answers. One woman came who listens to the show kind of, she came from another doctor, but, and she and I met, I was doing a three month beta program this year of my six month course to see if three months was enough. And she said, I think I need more than three months. I said, I agree of where she is. And she said, I've done Dr. Joe Dispenza's work. I've spent $200,000 on these kinds of programs. And I don't know why I do this or why I feel this or why I keep doing this or why I can't get this right. And I said, oh, you would have all those answers. <laughs> like you, you will never ask that again when you're done with my program. We, those answers will be answered. Now, will the answers change her? No. The behavior that she does because of those answers, the choices that she makes because of those answers would make the change. But not knowing, not understanding. That's why I said in the beginning of this of this conversation that, you know, when you're meditating and doing Reiki and doing energy work, and I love all of that, but if you don't know why you're doing it and where it fits and what it's supposed to be changing or what core wound it's helping, it may work, but you won't know what it's working on or why. And you won't know when you need other modalities or other tools to help those other core wounds. And that's the whole point. It's creating structure. It's creating a plan, an individualized plan not a random do this emotional thing. Everybody needs to go through the same thing. Now I made the course, the roadmap course, because it just does those two exercises, the feelings and the needs and the core wounds. From there, I make suggestions about where you go next, depending on your answers. Because again, it's a very personalized roadmap. So when I have clients and they come to me through my show, they're ready. They know me. They've been listening for a while. I don't market anywhere else. So the first step for anybody would be to go to my podcast. If I resonate with you, go, it's free. Go listen to my podcast. The talks I have on my website are the three reasons why talk therapy is ineffective and the how emotions create and heal disease, which is kind of what we're talking about. And I've already talked about some of it, but it's a, an, it's a 90 minute presentation. 
with a little bit more and there's slides and you know things you can look at and visually. So I pre-qualify people that way. I I don't really have too many people that come and don't understand what they're about to get into because if you listen to me long enough, you're like, oh, okay, I get it. You're not getting away with anything. <laughs> no, no. And they're usually ready. You know, you listen to the show for a while and and then they listen until they're ready. And then they say, okay, I'm ready to join this program or I'm ready to have a coach or I'm ready to come to my your live event or I'm ready to whatever. Uh, but I don't have to ask too many other questions because I kind of set it up because it's worked really well. Yeah. And how, just one example of how you get to their core wound. It's an exercise. So it's a, it's a written exercise that goes through childhood memories and then identifying patterns. Now that now I identify the patterns, the work won't, you'll just fill it out and you'll be there. If you do the core, the roadmap to emotional healing course, I teach you how to extract the patterns from the information. And then I even this year, because I get better and better every time I teach it, I've made a map. I'm like, how can we make this even simpler? Sort of like this feelings and needs list. You can make your own core wound map. So what does that consist of? Identifying your top three core wounds. So that way, anytime I, I had one of my clients here for a VIP day on Friday, and she was kind of telling me about her husband and her daughter and, and work and, um, and another person that we kind of know who triggers her. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and that story is usually about why that they're wrong or why they're bad or why they're not supporting me. Okay. So we go through this exercise. I mean, literally for four hour VIP day, we did nothing but emotional work and we could have continued. We could have kept going. It wasn't even enough time. It was a good amount of time, but we could have kept going. You both must have been exhausted <laughs> just from absorbing all that. No, not at all. No, no. It was actually freeing because there are relationships she's having trouble with that she was holding on to and couldn't see how to handle it differently. Um, her father, her husband, um, her job situation, again, some of these friends. And now she understands why they trigger her because they tickle a core wound she has that she needs to, because, so the map looks like this. It's the top three core wounds. And then I we look at what your go-to emotional responses, because normally, again, this happens so fast. You don't, it's subconscious because it's in you and you don't consciously think of it. You don't say to yourself, Ooh, them saying that makes me think that I'm invisible. And because of that, I'm now going to feel like you don't, it's unconscious. But when you map it out and you get to see it now, you bring the unconscious to conscious. And now when you see it, it helps to process differently, make different choices, not react the same way. So you take your top three core wounds, what the go-to emotional responses. And then the third step is what is the action that you take after that? So is it that you withdraw? Is it that you fight back? Is it that you yell? Is it that you cry? You know, what is it that you do? And when you see the pattern, you see the pattern, all right? And then because we can't change the past, we can change the past, but that's a different conversation. We can't change what has taken place, what has happened, so to speak, but we can change our perception of it. We have to say, all right, here are my core wounds that were created by my caregivers or in conjunction with my caregivers. I can't do anything about that. But how am I activating my core wounds every day? How am I living in a way that keeps them alive and strong? And so then I take each one of the core wounds and ask the question. So let's take invisible. If you feel invisible, I'll say, well, how do you treat yourself as you're invisible? So now we start to look at the behavior of how you have lived your life under the belief that the core wound is true. And how to heal that is to do the opposite. <laughs> so, right, but we have the map, we make the map. So it's not even a question. So again, we can go from the feelings and the needs list if that works right away, or we can look at the pattern. 
in order to heal it, in order to change the neural pathways, in order to reinterpret and to hopefully heal it so that it's not even an issue anymore. And sometimes it doesn't take that long. doesn't take that long. Some things can be changed immediately. And some things, because they're so embedded in the way that you treat yourself, need a little bit more time. That's why I have a six-month program that I do with people. And that three-month beta, while it was great, I won't do it again because it's not enough time. Got it. And even my current six-month group, they're finishing up and they're so, I mean, it's so awesome. Six months is even still not enough time, but it's enough time to make huge shifts and, and integrate the information. Otherwise, it's just data that you're hearing. But we have to put it into the body. We have to we have to live it. We have to experience it. We have to work through it. And that's why we need a little bit more time. And it's something that someone has to work on every single day, right? Because you're always, you have choices all day long. Right. And it, part of that program is a high level access to me and the group for in real time coaching. So when you get triggered, you bring it and we work through it. And you know, at first people come and then as they start to learn it, then they don't, those things go away. Right. And you can see by the end how, and it's because of that in real time coaching and application of what you're learning. Cause it's how we have to take it out of the intellectual space into the physical and how I react to something, but we need that. That's that in live, you know, in real time kind of access to me and to the other people in the group who can help support you through that using this information. So now we embody it in a new way and we're different. Right. Right. So before we get into random round, I just want to ask you, is there any last piece of advice you can give to someone who is trying to heal from cancer? Listen to what your body wants to tell you. Don't listen outside. Don't go inside. I have several stories of my own healing. Even when doctors were telling me you need this, and I said, nope, <laughs> nope, 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 nope. Right. And then two doctors who came to me and said, you make me nervous. And I said, why? Because this could happen. I said, and I calmly said, well, it's not going to happen. And then it didn't. <laughs> and I proved to everybody watching that nobody knows my body better than me. They have information for me and I take it and I say, okay, body, does this feel good? Is this, is this right for you? So using your intuition, I had someone, I have a, a course actually called Strengthening Intuition and somebody who listens to my show who I've never met before bought the course. She was going through something and I got an email saying, you know, I didn't remember my past and then I took your intuition course, which helped me remember my past and then I did the emotional work and now my MS is completely gone. Ah, uh, amazing. So, so we have to listen to the body and I'm sure Nisha said it when she was on your show and I'm sure it's been said uh, that cancer is the ultimate disconnect which means you aren't listening. You aren't connected. So get connected. Take a real interest, slow down and listen to what your body wants to tell you to do and then listen to it. It's trying to tell you something. It's been trying to tell you something, and but it's had to get louder and louder because you weren't listening. So please go inside, listen to what your body says to you, get real quiet, learn how to access your intuition. And by the way, your intuition happens when you're in alignment when you're feeling good, when you're feeling centered, not when you're feeling frazzled or anxious or scarcity or fear, that is not your intuition. Your intuition happens when you're centered and feeling hopeful and connected and calm and peaceful. Those are the times to listen to what happens inside and follow that. Do not follow the thoughts that happen when you're spiraling in a negative momentum, because that's not true. That's just coming out of this disconnection. And fair, right? Yes. I mean, yes. Oh, you know, when you're at the doctor's office and they're yes. telling you, you have to do this, you have to do that. 
That's not the time to make decisions. No, 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 no. Say thank you. And I'm going to go digest that and I'm going to be with it and I'm going to see what I feel about it. Oh, I had so many t- people tell me to have surgery. And it was funny because even I have more tools now, but at the time after the third consultation of JJ needs surgery and I was crying hysterically, I gave in, I surrendered and I was like trying to schedule it and I'm crying hysterically in the office. And I went, JJ, hello, McFly. You don't believe that this is the right path because if you did, you'd feel relief, not fear and anger. And I said, never mind, I'm not scheduling it. And then I went two years and I didn't. And I never needed surgery, by the way. But it was the understanding that my body was like, I, I was like watching myself. And I'm like, why are you not getting the hint? You're hysterically crying, which means you do not, you're not in alignment with this. This is not a good plan. Right. But after three doctors tell you to have surgery, you kind of go, okay, but my body was screaming at me. And I was like, okay, stop. I'm not having the surgery. I'm leaving. Goodbye. <laughs> and then I just waited for my body to say, okay, do this now. Hey, go look that thing up now. Okay, go do this now. It was two years later, and um, but I never had surgery. So uh, that's amazing. Now, are you ready for a random round? Ready. Fill in the blank. Freedom to you is everything. <laughs> everything. The last show you binged and loved. So I watched a lot of shows. Um, I'm going to say Fate, <laughs> the Winx saga, which is about fairies. Because of because I really love watching. It's about power coming into your full power and your full expression, and that's beautiful and powerful. Mm, perfect. That's what you're doing. When you're feeling afraid, what do you do? I allow myself the emotion, and then uh, depending on how triggered I am, um, I process. Obviously, figuring out what am I afraid of, I use my feelings and needs list, right? And then I pivot if the feelings and needs list hasn't figured it out and solved it, and I feel relief immediately and clarity, then I pivot. So what pivoting is in law of attraction is to stop telling the story about what you don't want and start telling the story about what you do want. If you could have a one-hour discussion with someone past or present, who would it be and why? So I had a hard time answering this, but what comes to mind right now is Madonna. I think Madonna. And why? Um, I She's a Leo. And she's gone through a lot of things in her life. And I think I would just like to analyze her on a little deeper level. I'd like to learn from her, you know, her courage and her bravery, but also to see where the pain was and to see if there's still pain there and look at her astral. I would just like to take her apart a little bit more and, and sort of just understand, you know? Yeah. What is your favorite go-to snack? Depends on what my diet plan is uh, at that time. <laughs> right now, it's um, I've made a five herb chicken salad. So I'll just sort of snack on that during the day or because I'm on like a low FODMAP diet. Right now, I have, I've roasted some nuts with very, very, very like one tablespoon of honey for like four cups of nuts, a little bit of cinnamon and a little bit of vanilla. And so I'll have like a handful of walnuts or pecans that I've roasted. And it's it's a nice little treat. Ooh. Sounds yummy. What's one simple thing that brings you joy? My cats. What's on your nightstand? Too much. <laughs> Love it. So books, any books? Oh yeah. Uh, too much, like too much, <laughs> a little bit of everything. Too much. It's, it's a, it's a mess. What's your favorite form of exercise? Salsa dancing. What's one thing you're really grateful for in your life right now? My relationship manifesting the soulmate that I longed for for years and had to learn all of this stuff that I'm teaching you now to be ready to allow in. 
Oh, beautiful. And how can people find you and learn more? I know you you did tell us some of that, but maybe just a quick. Really, minus the feelings and needs list, everything's at jjflazanes.com. So all the podcasts, all the talks I mentioned are on the homepage, all programs, products, all the things. The only thing that's not that I mentioned was the feelings and needs list. And that's jjflazanes.com forward slash feelings list with an S, feelings list. And then you can access and download for free the uh and then it comes with the three-step process also and another little form. So anyway, it's that way you guys can. And I always tell my clients to print multiple copies, have them on you everywhere, car, kitchen, bathroom, bedroom, living room, desk, everywhere. So that way it's when you're triggered, you can start to process more quickly if it's not a huge emotional feeling. Sometimes you need to let the feeling out first, but if it's just a little irritation, it's good to kind of get it before it grows into something bigger. So helpful. Thank you so much, JJ. This was just great. And I know so many people are going to get so much value from it. And people, look at your emotions. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Haley. I appreciate the conversation and your interest. And I hope, again, this did serve your population. That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. Doing so will really help this podcast get noticed and will help us to inspire more people. And remember, the sky is the limit when you take your power back when it comes to your health.